death and destruction everywhere you turn. They're all dead. It's pretty much sums up <laughs> X-Men comics. The whole week. That's just, just X-Men comics in general, Boom. No? Dead, dead, dead. <laughs> dead, dead, dead. Sad faces everywhere. Oh, man. Welcome to the X-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm adjusting. You're adjusting? I was gonna I'm say, I was going to say I'm alive, but... <laughs> I didn't. I said I'm Justin. <laughs> I'm a Justin. I'm a Justin. I'm the Justin. And you are? The Alicia? Yes. Yeah. We're talking about comics today. What comics? Let me tell you. We have one Digi, which is X-Men Unlimited, number 124, and two Tangies. Wolverine, number 42, and Dead X-Men, number one. Wow. But first, before all that death and destruction... We have news? News! News, 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 news. Here comes the news. It's interesting how, like, regular news, you hear about death and destruction. Yeah. And, and now, before the We're death like, and destruction... Before we get into that... Here's our ho-hum news. <laughs> Ultimate X-Men. Yes. Peach Momoko. Uh-huh trailer dropped it looks a lot of really beautiful yeah 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 a lot of art there was an interview i think a week or two ago there's a lot of buzz there's a lot of conversation some people had asked if we were going to cover it i think obviously we're gonna check it yeah, out and we're see what's definitely up. gonna check it i mean out. i love ultimate spider-man i'm not sure i have no idea what to expect with this ultimate x-men it feels very unique in its take but because of that i'm interested and yeah, i love like Momoko's work. I like, yeah, that it's a different kind of story. It seems like a retelling of an origin story. And I like the kind of folklore feel it has. And I also didn't know that Peach was also a writer. Yeah. And so when I saw that in the trailer, like written and art by, I was like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm interested in her point of view and perspective so i'm yeah. i'm excited to read it she had done the demon days stories which were a series of one shots that kind of told larger stories of these characters mm. in an alt telling of a world in a very traditional japanese style which was interesting yeah and and worthwhile checking out it's interesting because where ultimate x-men comes from in this ultimate universe relaunch everyone's kind of experiencing their powers for the first time mm. Like Spider-Man. Yeah. And that's great. Miss Marvel, there's a new cover. And just to put it back in your mind, the Mutant Menace, number one. Oh, it never left my mind. (laughs) That's the one. I think it starts in March. I think I looked that up. Yeah, it's got to be March. can't be May because we've only seen till April. Mm. Boom. Figuring out my M months. Those can get tricky. Those can get tricky. That's coming out in March. Feels separate. From like, like it has mutant menace on the front, but it just feels separate from the fall of X. Well, I feel like we have to see where she is, where she is in the next couple of weeks because mm. she's in the middle of some pretty heavy, heavy stuff. You know, she's it's in true. the mix of some things that may may not turn out so hot. So <laughs> I think it may not tie directly into the fall as far as where the story goes, but I feel like it will be. A reaction to what happens in the fall of X. Like something that happens to her will set her on this path of whatever she's doing in her solo book. Well, there you have it. There you have it. Boom. X-Men 97. Mm-hmm. Talking about there you have it. We have all sorts of new art 
details, vague timeline of when we're actually getting the show, mid-March, end of March, something like that. New pre-order for Wave 2 went up. I, I have to tell you that there's like a screenshot of like the X-Men team in yep. like a cavern. I've seen that. And like, I've seen that scene. Oh, because you watched. Because in the panel at San Diego, San Diego we got to watch a good few minutes of yeah. the first episode. The panel and... I was stuck outside of because I had to go see Spider-Man 2 in Hall H and yes. was too late getting back to the Marvel room. Yes, but it was, I was like, ooh. I'm excited about this, and I feel like an insider. <laughs> and I experienced my regret yet again. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. Comic Extracts sent in some interesting data on the increase in cover price Ooh. over the last handful of months and year, and it was fascinating, illuminating, and something that I had noticed in more like ad hoc, you know. You just, just buy one. Right, right. You see that Wolverine has standardized the fact that its cover price is a dollar more than the regular rest of the line. Whoa. Right. Spider-Man is similar in that, and I don't know if they're saying like, hey, there's our flagship titles, we can charge the extra mm. dollar, right? The extra dollar normally comes from a number one in Resurrection of Magneto, it was an extra $2 oh. because of the additional size and the number one. Oh. And in general, it, it's interesting to just see in the data the increase week to week, month to month over time over the last year and how, you know, take that into effect. Like, is that creating a culture where people are actively able to engage in the story mm, yeah or like does that, that price point price people create a barrier right. yeah the other thing that's interesting is you would almost think it should be the opposite of that or in the past like sales have been the opposite of that that if something is selling well it's less expensive than something that they have to make that's not going to sell as well so those mm. titles that you know, they would be like, oh, we made so many of these, but we need to guarantee that we're going to recoup our money. It's going to be a little bit more expensive than mm. this one that we know is going to fly off the shelves because Wolverine's on the front. So it's guaranteed we can tag on an extra dollar and see if that guarantee still flies. <gasps> cash grab. Yeah, right, right, if right. If you want to hear us like really get into cash grabs, <laughs> you can find a cash grab episode on our Patreon. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I, I went looking for January sales data, but mm -hmm. they weren't. Yet, ah, uh, I found soon. some interesting data on 2023 sales overall, but mm. it wasn't really relevant to X-Men. I just kind of went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> the sales rabbit hole. Tom Brevoort has ruined the X-Men. What? Whoa. <laughs> Hold on. He hasn't even started yet. <laughs> that's the joke. <laughs> Take you know, a breath. <laughs> that's, that's the whole thing. So this was last week's newsletter. The top of the newsletter, that's how he started it off. Oh, he started He like started that. it off like that in response to the number of YouTubers and community members that have just said that before anything has been done, he has already ruined the X-Men, which to be seen i Not mean obviously you can't, yeah, yeah right like everyone can make their assumptions and you can be afraid and you can have all your feelings and all your fears and all of that is valid but you can't be coming out here and saying a man did something before he even did that thing <laughs> afterwards if you feel that way then go yeah, ahead yeah. And say more it. power too but but, but have, now, have specifics take a, and, take a seat yeah. calm down for a second we all need to just take a collective breath well, I, don't know. I love how he's responding to it mm, too yeah. like it just like to kind of tongue-in-cheek but kind of all like Old man shakes hand at clouds. Like. Get on my lawn, you dang kids. <laughs> Come on. You got any personal news? Yes, personal news. Well, did, wait, did Tom Brevoort say anything else about it? I'm intrigued. No? He just was You'll like, You'll have to subscribe to the newsletter. Oh, that's find rude. out. That's pretty rude. Okay. Anyway. And this was last week. He, he had a new one come out 
earlier today. So you'll never know, Alicia. You'll never know. Unless you go into Justin's emails and read it. I guess you could do that. <laughs> I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> anyway, personal news. Yes, I have two bits of personal news. Oh, boy. One is that this past Friday, I got to run a rehearsal for the first time in months and it was a rehearsal that I ran on my own without an assistant choreographer, anyone there. It was a piece that we had already done, so it wasn't new choreography. But just to be in the rehearsal space with people to lead a warm-up, though much of my leading was verbal and not physical, I still got to feel like I was in it in the creation process, which was good, and got some positive feedback from my physical therapist about the... Just just some, some feedback about how other people in my situation have similar feelings and that like her reassuring me that this feeling of fear that I have that something went wrong and the surgery didn't work and why am I in so much pain that that uh, is a is a general feeling without mm. me having to add, like say that specifically. She sort, of, or she sort of offered that as advice and that was really, that was great. Nice. Um, but the second little bit is that I bought a pattern to start the Emma Frost Iron Man suit, which I'm calling Iron Frost. I don't know. I don't know what it's really Emma called. Man. It's not Emma Man. <laughs> um, but I just want to say, like, for everybody who knows now that I'm doing this, like, I don't know what's going to happen here. I've never done anything to this. Timelines like, are fluid. Yeah, time means nothing. So we'll see what happens. It's definitely a goal. But the closer, like, once I printed out all the pages of the pattern and it took, like, a quarter of a ream of paper, I was like, okay, girl, are you ready for this? I'm not sure. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Mm. We'll see. I What's was, your personal news? I was So we had D&D right after we recorded last week. Yes. And I was very happy with, you know, where Treezus has gone and, and his development as a character and was just obsessed with figuring out what else I could do and what more could be added with we gained a level mm-hmm. at the end of the session. It was just I reinvigorated my joy surrounding D&D over the week and was it. wildly distracted by looking up spells and various <laughs> other things that my guy can do. Uh, you know, I, I like talking about it because I feel like it keeps me back into it because I'm like saying to the world, yeah, I'm going to the gym, you know, like, I've been going yeah, to the gym. Yeah. Uh, I, I had my first, I don't want to go day. And, yes. and Alicia was like, no, you should go and just, you know, shift your focus and you'll still have a good time. And it did. And it was great. And, but like connected to that, there was a very emotional episode of One Piece playing. As, <laughs> so I watch it while I'm on like the elliptical or the, the bike or whatever. And I'm like in this room surrounded by other people on machines trying not to get emotional about what's <laughs> happening in my anime cartoon. I'm a grown man. Listen, <laughs> feelings are real no matter oh, yeah, where yeah, they yeah. come from. That's why I share. You think you should have just been crying on the elliptical? Just sobbing. Just sobbing. Just deep and sobbing. Just like see how people I'm react. Just having a really rough day. Does anyone want to come over and be like, are you okay, dude? No, or I'm sweaty. Don't don't touch me. Ignore you. <laughs> I'm real sweaty. Hey, we have polls. Polls. Oh, polls. polls. With a plural, with an S. Polls. Yeah. Well, I, I put up a poll about the... X-Men 97 Wave 2, mm. if folks were interested in it, if it was something that you were not getting at all, or if it was something that you were kind of cherry-picking, because I didn't get the full wave yet. Ah, oh, right. I probably will. I was kind of surprised, honestly, when I saw that story. I was like, you didn't? I know. I don't know who I'm you, kidding. You didn't or didn't get just, it? 
it's because I got to the first wave all on sale. Yeah. And so I'm just I'm just Waiting. hunting for that and I picked out the ones that I would be real upset if I'd missed. <laughs> but those were Goblin Queen Magneto with his M pajamas yes. and Nightcrawler because any because opportunity to get a new Nightcrawler. But the Gene and the Scott and the Executioner all look really good. Yeah. And I don't have an Executioner. So that felt like that was on my mind as I was checking out. Seems and... like you messed up. I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're still there. <laughs> they're still there. But that was 34% yes, they're getting the wave. Getting the full thing. 45% no, seems like not into it at all. 21% some of it. Mm, interesting. I don't know. I, I do these things sometimes just because I'm curious and I like I like to know like where people are at with the things that you know are a part of the culture of X-Men. Yeah, I wonder how many... The culture like, of defiance. What's the, uh, the culture of defiance. Like what is the ratio of comic readers to Marvel Legends collectors, you know? Sure, like, sure. Just because you read the comics doesn't mean you're going to collect Marvel Legends. So, yeah, yeah. So, you don't think about the fact that like... I'm obsessed with everything. <laughs> right, but so some people just... are only obsessed with little things. Right, right. And then there's the real poll. Well, we had some other polls in yeah, there, that, too. Do you have the results of that? I, I don't. Do okay. you? <laughs> I can go get it, but <laughs> no. I didn't. <laughs> well, it's okay. I'll tell you all about the poll in case you missed it, and we'll get the results because I didn't go back and get them currently, but... I came up with some new designs that are going to be up on our Tee Public page soon. And there were a couple versions of the designs that I wasn't sure, you know, which layout I liked better. So Justin and I obviously discussed what we liked, but we decided since it's out there, not just for us, but for you all, let's put it out there and see what people think. So we've got a Viva Krakoa design. We have a We Must Be Nothing Less Than Fabulous design. We have a couple of Kate pride slash shadow cat slash Lockheed designs which are both going up there there's no voting on those <laughs> um and a culture of defiance design because if a character in a comic says put it on a t-shirt i we, say we put it on a t-shirt challenge accepted yeah i know more than you <laughs> i know something you don't know i know things you don't know yeah yeah so uh, so i do have the results oh the results are in the stacked one the Viva Krakoa. Interesting. 66% okay. to 34%. Okay. That's a that's a clear winner. Diamonds to the right, one over diamonds to the left, mm. 58 to 42. Ooh. It's a little tighter. Interesting. That was really just about like how big the, the other words were. So that one might have to be a double or yeah. just Alicia choose what feels good in her <laughs> mind. There's no limit. You can just yeah, throw as many as you as want. Many All of them want. are going up. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then the, the biggest knockout, the bundle versus the stack. Any predictions? Oh, for the culture of defiance? Yep. Well, when I saw it, it the, st the stack was going... The stack was winning v the bundle. So I feel like the stack might be where it's at. The stack attack is where it's yeah. at, Jack. Okay. 72% to 28%. Wow. All right. The stack is definitely coming. The stack is in. All right. Cool. That's good. I'm excited. I'll get one and rip the sleeves off. You know, like my boy, John. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Your boy. <laughs> anyway. Okay. They're now all my boy. get to the big poll, the, the juicy meaty, the, the book of the week The poll. juicy meaty. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying sometimes. It just Dead X-Men versus Wolverine. <laughs> Who won? What are you saying on that? Who won? Who won? Dead X-Men. What's the percentage? Mm, 64%. 73%, mm. which, uh, you know, 
mixed reactions. Yeah, that's what I was. I was hearing a few people say they weren't yeah. really into Dead X Men, which is why I Tried shifted to, my vote to be not such a landslide win. Heard heard people all around. You know, I had I had a, a range of feelings that mm. we'll get into as we get into it. But before that, we have some general questions. Ooh, Jabo six one six all caps WTF. Like, all around, what a week. I think that's kind of <laughs> how we started it, was just dead everywhere. Yeah, I um, I did this thing that I haven't done in a while, but it seemed to have been well-received, so I will likely do it again, where with our Patreon, we have this link to a Marco Polo share cast where we can just kind of upload these super in-the-moment videos, and... I did like live reaction videos as I was reading the books because I had so many like, what? Ew. Oh my God. No. <gasps> what? It can't be like moments during reading that. Yes, I would agree. Whoa. What a week. Yeah. Which of Jotunheim agrees? Killer week. Pun intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike loves Mariah Carey. Loved this week. Dead X-Men wins January for me with the past X-Men as second. Ooh. Barusu 33 bringing up Omega level mutants. So they had read that Omega level just means the mutant registered or can reach no upper limit. That doesn't mean they are able to perform with no upper limit, right? Some Omega level mutants may not have unlocked that for themselves or may have not been able to control their powers well enough to get to those high, high, high limits. So if an Omega level mutant that doesn't have that level of control faced off against a more skilled powerful mutant it's not automatic that the omega level mutant would be victorious clarification would Mm. be amazing thanks and i i think that that's right and especially you think about different types of powers and using tactical advantage you know we haven't seen a a big brawling fight in that way from a non-omega with an omega like a front of mind is storm versus vulcan Mm -hmm. and the way that those two Omegas use versatility, even Storm versus Apocalypse's children, right? Right, but then you also have Iceman, right, who's Omega, but over the last few years has been unlocking his right, Omega right. potential. Reaching so that, there's that lack of upper limit. Yeah, so I think there is, you can say this this mutant is an Omega level mutant. With potential. With Yeah, so I want, but I don't... Is there someone that masters their skills that could take down an omega level yeah i think hmm, it's it's questionable it's like do you not receive the sort of label of omega level until you've broken through that wall to like surpass the up there's to to like say oh there's no upper limit or is it like we know you have the potential to be an omega level mutant your qual your categorized as that but you're not quite there yet i think that's i don't know I don't know the answer. Well, especially with the list, like the right. definitive list that Hickman put out at the beginning mm-hmm. in, in House of X number one. Yeah, but who, we still don't know whose list that is because we still don't know who's writing these GD get data pages. Eh, it's everybody. It's it's the writers. It's, I just feel like there is, there's like some secret watching entity writing these I feel like pages. you're going to be disappointed. Well, I'm always disappointed. <laughs> so. It's Enigma. <laughs> The whole oh, side. Oh. There you go. You're probably right, and I hate that. <laughs> Warline had a general question as well. It was th- thinking about reading the issue. What if the Moira change in Life Ten from a hero to a villain 
is a manipulation by Enigma, especially as her becoming a villain caused two Essexes to ascend, hence helping make him. Which I, I thought about this, and even just like the, the phrasing of kind of this starting point, I'm pretty sure, and it's kind of confirmed in Dead X-Men here, that the inciting incident here is Inferno. Mm-hmm. That that is when everyone is revealed about Moira and Sinister gets this idea of starting the Moira machine. That that is, I think that might have also been confirmed in Rotpox, where like that's the point where it goes from. So like her always being that hero to villain turn mm. is what creates all four of the Essexes to try to ascend. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. I have to think about that a little bit more before I could really speak on it. But I do think that there's always a chance that Enigma's involved. Sure, right, right. <laughs> and so he goes on and is going on to talk about like being in this paradox of having someone that can exist outside time and space, but it's technically before they came online, yeah, quote unquote, so, but then so can confusing. play in the, right, right, right. And then how does that branch reality or was that always intended to happen? Or yeah, right, her face. You know. Like it doesn't, what, what, I don't know. Yeah. What is time? What is space? What is reality? It's nothing. What is X-Men Unlimited? It's X-Men great. X-Men Unlimited. I love it. Uh, issue number 124. Listen, I love it, but I'm really sorry to anyone who is a Thunderba- Thunderbird fan, but I am not. <laughs> I am not. He's a hothead. Yeah, and I just like, can he have another quality? <laughs> Could there be some like something else about him? A hothead that has good puns. That I mean, the hothead who gave me a t-shirt idea, and that's... That's great. So, at least he's he's still... She's smiling, at least. It's just like, you are like, okay, Thunderbird, you want to come at your brother and question your brother? That's fine. But don't you dare <laughs> question Danny, Danny Moonstar. Moonstar. Get out of here. Get out of here. That's what I have to say, you know? So, she is giving this tour of X-Core, yes. the island, which, shout out to Eric... Mm. on Instagram who made that distinction. It's interesting because this is X-Corpse Island, Mm -hmm. but the way it's spelled is actually pronounced X-Core. And also the theme of what they're using it for, this paramilitary strike force global response unit is much more... X-Core. Yeah. So they're spelled the same, but I think that the intent is that the island was originally created for the corporation, which was shorted to X-Corp. It used to belong to X-Corp. Yes. So then it was X-Corp's island, but now it's X-Core. The the X-Core functions within the X-Corp island. Boom. Boom. Shakalaka. And who's on this island team? We get a little rundown of, I mean, Shatterstar is obviously there, mm-hmm. but the core of it, the ex-core of it is <laughs> Jamie Madrox, the multiple man, yes. taking it to levels beyond what we've seen mm-hmm. in both that title X-Corp and at the Hellfire Gala right. being the waiter. right? You know? Being everywhere all the time. I loved the nod to the fact that at the gala itself yeah. that Jamie was with his family taking some time off. The Jamie Prime was not at the gala. But what I was questioning was like, so how did he just – he? so is he res- did he resist? Because – even though he wasn't there at the gala. He was in a bunker deep underneath the he ground. He couldn't be accessed by Xavier. Yep. He was outside time and space. I am just really <laughs> loving seeing how confident Danny is and how she took charge yeah. and made this plan in the face of loss. Like she was separated from everyone. She was lost. And this is why I think that she 
would make such a great leader of an X-Men team because she is just she's taking charge she's like what do we have to do to get this done i don't know where anyone else is but i'm gonna make something happen and i don't want to say it's the fan service of it all but we have been calling for danny to have a leadership role of some kind for how many years in the kirk cohen era and here she is leading a very organized and put together resistance plan with you know trinary and WizKid being mm-hmm. the tech ops that we could have and should have had the whole time listen, you know? uh, listen all i'm saying is thank you for your service like right. i'll take the fan service give sure. it to me right give it to me who is it's a question from jp didomaso later who is the heart of x-core mm. person in that core bubble mm. i don't know i don't know I, I can't imagine that it is either sunfire or Sunspot because you think they it were could be either karma or rain. Well, I think it's someone that's like causing this reaction and power. Got it. Right. So it's someone with like an explosive energy power. Mm. Um, part of me thought Chamber because I thought he survived. I thought we saw him survive mm. the gala. I was just trying to run through other people that yeah. could be like, I don't think it's Vulcan. No. We see him this week, but not here. Probs not boom boom. No, it's too. <laughs> that's not the same type. I I don't know if all of this energy is coming from this character or if they're just kind of harnessing it. Yeah. Or, I don't know. I'm interested. I want to know. Oh, it looks like some. I'm zooming in now. Zoom in. What do you got? It looks get, like some get, kind of like ponytail. Give me it. Give me. Let me look. Let me look at it. I gotta see the deep zoom. I actually can't zoom in. Zoom in with your eyes. Let's just move move it closer to your face. <laughs> <laughs> Manual zoom. They look like a genie. It looks like the genie. I know. Yeah. With the little hair. It honestly, it looks like Gideon from the image later on. Ooh, I'm so intrigued. I don't know. But, but, who is the mastermind behind the evil dead Orcus agents? Selene. Selene. Right, because we catch back up with... Somnus and Cerebra, who mm-hmm. are captured with all the kids from the camp. Yes. And there are some undead Orcus agents being the guards. Oh, Celine. Oh, Celine. Oh, Celine. I just feel like there's room for Celine to do some dirty double crossing. Yeah. Who's no. she going to dirty double cross? I don't know. I, I mean, she, everybody. Orcus, the all X-Men, the mutant, you know, like everybody. But she, just look at her. Look how beautiful she is. Because the last time we saw her, it was her and Shaw in Immortal mm-hmm. being gray to everyone. Yeah, they were like, we're on our own mission. That was an epic ending. And what if these are all of the... Orcus agents that Sinister Charles killed. Ooh. And she like took them and she was like, well, you're dead. Now Probably. you're mine. Yeah. Written by Steve Fox and Steve Orlando. Art by Philip Sevy. Colors, Yen Nitro. Letters, Travis Landham. This Travis Landham. The United Kingdom versus Captain Britain. We've seen reference to Betsy here. Mm. And we saw her, I think, last issue in a little snapshot as she was talking to someone in the UK. So that is where we'll go next seemingly a part of this story we'll see also seemingly separate from rachel's story Mm. as we kind of have confirmed later on yes in another issue we are talking about today gilbert rojo calling out shatterstar has become daddy fire emoji (laughs) the detail of him kissing his bicep in the background is just perfect (laughs) he's kind of funny like he's just like I don't know. He seems a little dumb, like a little like, look at me. I have muscles and look at this place. And I like to and fight. I'm walking and around. He's great, though. Waving my hair in the air. But yes, he is great. And I'm excited to see where he goes in this story. Hmm. 
It's time to welcome to the creep show. Ooh, Wolverine number this, forty-two. A couple of people have pointed this out. This is a reference to Creep Show. Mm. This this head with candles on the plate. It's monsters and cool horror stuff. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's definitely not for kids. Oh, it's, yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of conversation that we'll get into later on about the amount of not mm-hmm. for kids that this is, and I think that that's important to put front of mind as we get in. <sighs> yes, here we go. Page turn noise. The standoff, teasing him. Mm-hmm. As the full effect of this saber teeth army just takes him down. Takes him down. I'll kill you. I'll just, kill you. Just the absolute despair of Logan fighting for his life and the sheer smugness of Sabretooth. Like, yeah. I love how he. We're just seeing Logan like so desperate and Sabretooth is our, you know. Is just like I'm just I'm just here to witness this. I made you a he's promise. Gloating. I'm really excited yeah. about just tearing you down. Happy wait, birthday, bud. He's just grinning and on the side, the desperation in Logan's face mm-hmm. as you, the punch out to the greenhouse to just show all that is at stake here. Mm-hmm. As these adamantium coils from Omega Red, a different <sighs> multiverse universe. Listen, I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure at the end of this, those adamantium coils are just left here for us. Let's get our Omega Red fitted with those babies. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I, here for it. He's, Give- he's made some great some great progress <laughs> but i don't i don't know if i would you're not ready to I'm give him that sure. kind of i don't think that that is a recommendation <laughs> that i would make fine the wisdom versus bravado as you know the, the pop star sabertooth says we should kill him now like mm-hmm. none of this dragging it out making him suffer emotionally which is the show that Creed wants to do, 616. I, I also feel, though, that there's this like deep down love that the two of them have for each other that they never actually yes. want to kill the other well, one. Well, then the game know? would be over. Right. Then they don't have this, per- they don't have their hate partner the in life. You that know? They have. So it's like, yeah, I'll kill him later because I'm never going to kill him because never I love him forever him. and this is our thing and I need to be able to do this next year on his birthday. Yes. Pretty boy mm, is pretty the one boy. that, uh, poor pretty boy. Ha ha ha. Which takes us straight to our title page, Sabretooth War. Part two, written by Benjamin Percy and, and Victor Laval. Pencils by Corey Smith. Inks by Oren Jr. Colors Alex Sinclair. Letters Corey Petit. This is Corey Petit. Lionel Francis Yu and Romulo Fajardo Jr. on the creepy cover. The blood red title page is really intense. Yes. That hits. We got some unwolverine actions all around. <laughs> the darkness of the times that we're in and how, you know, is this really, should we be doing this? Well, first of all, how you have to find a little bit of light in right. the dark, okay? Second of all... She's got heart. I need to know what's in the gift. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I need to know what is it that Laura has gotten for Logan. It's It's probably some whiskey. It's... Uh, I just feel like maybe, maybe there's treat, more to it. I don't a know. A family photo from the Bubs. From the Bubs holiday. Oh, oh, I I love that. It's probably not that though. Oh, it should be though. <laughs> if we never find out, then that's, that's what, what we'll headcanon that it is. Hey, Wolverine's back. Um, oh, that's not Wolverine. No, that's Camo doing the thing that he does. <laughs> He's shape shifting. 
Saber tooth shape shift and strike. I gotta tell you, from the moment this dude came in the room and the moment all the saber teeth come in and they're yeah. coming at Laura, Tense. I was not worried. No, good. I was like, my girl's got this. Was it because you saw the cover with her on it fighting? No, mm. I don't. When I'm reading the comics, I don't think about those kinds of things. Oh. I'm just in it in the moment. You that know, all, that all lives in my mind. But like, I just know, just seeing the this one shot of her when she just says how many and she's got her claws out i'm just like yeah that's right so many. doesn't matter how many i'll kill you all yeah yeah i will certainly hold my own mm-hmm. uh, as we catch up with the control room seems like whatever Sabretooth shot out of that yeah. one little device in the beginning put sage and black tom under some kind of trance i'm telling you it's it's got to be Quentin. Yes, because it seems like it's his essence, it's his power somehow. And they're able to, and that I think is why they were able to get on the base unnoticed. Right. Because Quentin is basically in them saying all is well, all is well. Well, And we have seen his power being manipulated like this in X-Force and Wolverine over the last few years. The way that he was used by... Zeno and Mikhail mm-hmm. and the, the spirit demon of him. Yes. Also, in other places of the uh, the base, we're going to sneak up on Colossus, and I'm just not sure why you think that's a good idea. You know, we can break him. You can't. <laughs> so sorry, but you can't. Logan strung up. This is impactful. This, this, I, I feel like this is the essence of where he is mm. right now. This is the low that Sabretooth is trying to bring him that he will then fight from. Right. In retaliation. Right. That we hope, you know, because this next page. The worst page in the book. Yeah. But it's like, it's interesting, okay? Because visually, it is very disturbing to see Sabretooth just take a child and literally rip its head. Yeah, rip their head off. But I think that that. And and then the, like, the, the, intestines on the bottom panel yes yes and just just destroying these you know helpless mutants who are just there for refuge right but that's i think yeah we don't necessarily love to see the blood and the guts but that's the essence of who Sabretooth is he has he's just he's vicious and he's supposed to make you feel like what the heck like, yeah, but do I, I do I want to feel that? You know. Well, you want to feel it because it's gonna it's going to inspire you to seek vengeance on him. Maybe, yeah. And or root for the team against him. You you recognize these kids, right? Yeah, these are the kids. These are the kid, the background kids. I went deep trying to name and or find if we have. There's no official name for this one with the bubbles on his head. Mm-hmm. There are some sites that have said, is that Artie Maddox? Which mm. I'm not sure. So you know Artie from yes. the start of Inferno that you've yes. been reading. Uh, the other two, Molly is the one with tentacle arms. Mm. And she actually comes from Grant Morrison's run back in New X-Men. Mm. And then there's some calling the bird guy Tito who is one of Beak and Angel's kids. I was going to say, it looks a lot like Beak. Right. I just, I, I wanted to make sure, you know, Molly does survive, mm-hmm. uh, but Tito and maybe Artie, RIP. Well, I mean, in this one image, Artie looks pretty, uh, 
He's whose intestines. Oh, I are meant. Being... I meant maybe Artie. That's who he is. Like, oh, oh. they're both dead. They're I both was like, very no, dead. No, no, Artie Those... is dead. I'm so Artie's sorry. the one that lost his head. Tito is the one with his entrails. Oh, Tito. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. 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 Vulgar. Disgusting. Yes. Is that you know a lot of the reactions around this title were about like that was a little too far. But yeah, I know what you're saying. We'll get into it. But no, like, but I have. Di- I mean, I have different feelings because I also feel like, yeah, it was bloody and gory, but there have also been plenty of other bloody and gory moments. It's just kind of like that. Like, because, was it? Is it too far because it was a kid? Yes. What if it was a dog? The internet would lose their minds. Sure. You don't kill a dog. <sighs> Aurora and Northstar making the save. Mm-hmm. You thought they were just in the background hanging out, but no, they're here. No. Nope. They're making sure we don't lose Sage and Black Tom. Right. They actually saved the whole day. Mm-hmm. They're robots made of meat. Don't hold back. <laughs> I love it. Gloves yeah. off. Tearing in. Take them down. Logan's pain just shown throughout this next page. Quentin, Akiro, Laura, the way that he's just like aching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love that Logan's love for Laura because he already lost Akiro, right? Like. Yeah, he knows I, his that. love for Laura is his saving grace here. It's right. the thing that pushes him to make a move and come out of this defeated stance that he's in. And I don't need to go too far into it, but I will just say that I did do some research, okay? And your your wrist, your radius and ulna are not actually attached to the bones in your hand. Those things are only attached by ligaments that support your palm and your wrist on the top and bottom of your wrist. So theoretically, yes, you can use your claws to slice through that joint. Ridiculous. And, you know, pull it apart. However, the scientific question that I am posing in this moment is where in the hand or where in the bones do the claws stem from? Because anatomically, it seems that they send, they extend from his carpal bones, which are the bones in the top of your hand. They're like, you have your, you know, your carpal bones are like your hand bones and then your metacarpals are your fingers, right? Mm-hmm. So theoretically, they come from those places in his hand. Right. But if you are to cut off that hand, right. you would also lose your claws. Well, the, the claws are also bone underneath, right? So he has a mutation in his skeletal structure that he is not the baseline human, right? His his clone, his claws being bone in how they're housed, that does make a question of like, at, at what point are they coming through? Like, is it coming through? Are they housed behind the wrist? And is he able to just kind of chop away the meat, essentially? Well, basically, he cuts his hands completely off. Right. So he's only left with his arm bones, his radius and his ulna. So if that's the case, he keeps the adamantium claws. Yeah. So if the adamantium, like, then that means... They're way down. They have in his to be forearm. coming from his forearm, but scientifically, that doesn't make sense because those bones are twi- like it just doesn't make it just not then, real. Because then, would he be able to bend his wrist with his claws popped? Right. Because they'd be fully extended. Exactly. And there have been you know exaggerated art shots of his claws being longer than his forearms. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like where do they go? Where do they come from? And A if they just dimension. kind of like grow and and go away, then the, but when you cut your wrist off, then they're gone. Yeah. And that's kind of uh, questions. Questions. You know, it's cool. It, whatever. <laughs> it, I just of, needed of the to gruesome, bloody shots. Like this is a cool concept that he chops his hands off and he still has his claws. Just somehow. From an anatomy nerd standpoint, yes. I went too far into the anatomy of the hand. <laughs> just and far enough. How exactly this is not possible. Right. Like he could chop his own hand off. That's possible. But where are those claws coming from, bro? 
Forearms. Doesn't make sense. Look, no hands. No. <laughs> the fight as Laura comes back. Ugh. Pretty boy taken down. I love to see it. Yeah. I love to see it. Yes, Laura, you tear that man apart. Camo you and- rip his head from his body, you beautiful bloody angel. <laughs> Tearing through at Laura. We don't know what happens next, but we assume she's safe. She's fine, okay? Do they take her as she's prisoner? She's fine. I don't know. Maybe they do. I think they take her as prisoner because the two of them are the named characters. They're not going to have pulled away by the Krakoa vines as we get our defensive systems actually up. Yes. Sage and Black Tom are free and they Restart. can help us. Get the computer. Just going to unplug and plug it back in. So Krakoa, the base within Krakoa, and the, the moment of Black Tom into the chair we go. This, like seeing creed as a virus and being able to detect his genes throughout the base mm-hmm. is a crazy cool development in security that i'm wondering how did we not do this before like how is it not keyed to beast you know like yeah it's just it's just cool to see here yes and maybe this was you know an upgrade that they had i don't know and then logan Logan just running, just looking for Laura. My heart, like this moment really got me. And I think that part of the reason that it felt so high stakes was because of the death and destruction that the Saber Teeth army. Sure. Which, how do you feel about that? That they say Saber Teeth. Saber Teeth. You know, I guess it's fine. (laughs) Makes me like it less. I knew that would happen. (laughs) Obviously, it was obvious, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was right there, but. You have multiple Tooths. Multiple tooths. Gotta be call teeth. 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 But I still want to know what's inside that present. What's in the box? What's in the box? The Ugh. good old days is our Krakoan with a Team X flashback image as our next cover. Talking about their history together, Sabretooth mm, and Wolverine. What'd the you good think? old days. I thought this was a great issue. I really love the way that the story is being told, and I'm really feeling things in this issue. The history and the amount of tension and hate between these two characters really came across, and like I said, it made me feel things. Some really gross moments, but also some really cool action and some triumphant moments, too. A really well-balanced book, and I really enjoy the art. Yeah. I know that this story isn't necessarily impactful on the overarching fall of Krakoa narrative, but I'm really enjoying it, and I'm actually looking forward to the the next issue. Ooh. I I feel like even though I know that it's it's not going to have effects on how anything turns out for Krakoans. Because it takes place after Rodpox and Flatpox. Yeah, but I also just feel like it is... It is a self-contained story that is keeping me interested. And I think that the depth and the complexity of their relationship, their relationship yeah. Yeah. and like the... And just... I just think Sabretooth is such an interesting character as well. Because if you look at Sabretooth and Wolverine together, like from the start, they both had pretty much the same like if you think of like they were weapons being used for this thing and then they were put in these different directions they kind of both went on opposite paths so well, Sabretooth's path was started as a child and his impact mm-hmm. being raised and and i think that that made him the monster that he has become and and why he's so merciless yeah in his actions and i just almost feel like there's a part of him that felt himself turning soft 
with the exiles, exiles yeah. and then just said like i, I can't know. allow myself to have feelings in that way i must just be the destroyer it, of everything it feels like he was always driven with the the revenge murder plot even the way that like, the way that he just excites over having other versions of himself and, and the immediacy that he's like yeah we're gonna go visit logan i've been gunning for this i i think this story is solid but also I'm sad because I love the greenhouse as a concept in X-Force. And this feels like Sabretooth's messing with that. You know, I know mm. it's not going to survive into the next thing. It just, like, I I felt um, upset with it being attacked in this way. Mm. It is violent, like, whoa. And I like it, question mark? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I go back and forth. Usually when something intense is on the page, I, I remember I'm going back and forth. Like It makes me feel a different kind of thing, like a different kind of reaction. And honestly, it feels different from Something is Killing the Children, which is a favorite comic. But the monster in that is not someone I've enjoyed as a character, mm. not someone that like I've connected with previously. This Sabretooth, I don't want anything to do with this Sabretooth. Like, I don't want to connect with this guy. This guy is like, I, I want him. I want him dead more than I want Beast dead right now. See, I mean, I think the difficulty for me is that, as I once said on this particular podcast to Joshua Kassara, I love murder. Sure. <laughs> and I mean that in that, like, there is just something that tears me up inside in a way that fires me up when I see death and destruction and those kinds of stories are intriguing to me and that's terrible because I actually do not love murder or violence in real life at all like if I'm watching a movie and there are people and like someone's getting punched in the face I'm covering my face yeah but if it's a comic I'm like whoa I don't know it's a different medium so it feels different but that like gritty bloody really intense stuff like I don't know. I think it makes the story more compelling. I yeah. I don't know if that makes me a bad person. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I mean, Galetta Grafico thought it was silly and brutal, which mm-hmm. I think are good things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trevor on Instagram is scared for Logan's family in Sabretooth War. Hope they come out of it okay. And I think Laura's fine. I don't yeah. know how we get back to Fang or Kiro or, yeah. or even seeing some response from Aurora. I don't know if she knows, right? They had their relationship throughout X Factor and then a little later on too, just what had been developing. Yeah, I mean, I definitely went back and like scoured that art to see if I could discern whether or not Laura was kidnapped. And I'm not sure. Like that is a thought that crossed my mind. Like maybe they took her captive, but... Also, we didn't see her getting, like, beat down at all in a way that, like, she... But in the image, neither of them are there. Like, the three of those characters aren't there after the... Like, after the end of the issue when everybody's, like, looking for her. When Logan comes in and is looking for her at the end. Right, right. Nobody's there. I don't think she left with them willingly. No, it's just the image of, um, like, as they're running and leaving and Sabretooth is saying, like, leave the dead. He's not with them, though. Yeah, they were separate. Jonathan Elvey hopes Laura is still alive and let's hope Sabretooth doesn't go far (gasps) to find Gabby. Okay, but there is this one image. So now that I'm Of them charging. Well, like, that's her hand. Right. Like, that looks like she's underneath them. Yeah. So maybe she is kidnapped. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't I think hate she's, it. I don't think she's dead. I just, she's not going to be dead. They're not going to kill her because I'll can't. kill them. Right. <laughs> I won't. 
But yes, agreed. I don't want them to come for Gabby either. I don't know. They if, better not. I, I mean, swear to God. Gabby would just tear them apart. I would love to see it. I, honestly, <laughs> the only thing that I would be interested in is to find where Gabby is. To see Gabby. <laughs> just have her a part of it. Captain 2 Michael noticed the dissension in the ranks rejecting 616 Creed's orders, which mm-hmm. I thought was, you know, it really interesting. It basically came to them making the wrong decision, right? The 616 Creed, Logan will want Laura back and, and he's there to give Creed hell. Right. But I think that that speaks to the nature of Sabretooth himself and that this whole idea of a unified front of Sabretooths is a sticky situation and you're always going to have this battle for who's the one in charge. Right, so he's, he's the prime. That in, could in, just be their downfall. Right, is just too much hubris and yeah. aggression. Mutiny. Michael loves Mariah Carey calling it out. Sabretooth is so in love with Wolverine. He went throughout <laughs> the multiverse for his gift and Laura had to survive. She is not... Anywhere in trouble. Yeah, we're not worried about her. No, we're okay? not. We're not. She's great. Blonde China spots a cuckoo among the chaos, sending mm. in a screenshot, which I thought... I did, Interesting too. detail, yeah. right? Comic Extracts, wondering why Percy went so violent. An inauspicious end to the era, which I think is interesting to put this as the ending in retrospective to the rest of this run and how different it is, how this feels, I don't know. It, it feels connected to Wolverine, but feels off mm. the rails for them. But then you think of how much body horror had been a part of like Zeno's yeah, trick. And, exactly. and how Ben and Josh had talked about like that's Ben's sick mind, like working up right. crazy stuff. Like I think it was well, there. Kind and of now why, they got the green light. That's kind of why I brought up the talking to Josh and saying that I love right. murder because out of context, I guess I didn't give enough information, but that conversation was based on the idea of the gruesome nature of the art that he was creating for right. Ben Percy's books. Right. And he wasn't, he was like, that just came from this direction and then it went into this other place. And I think that that grittiness has always been there in Ben Percy's storytelling. I think where it kind of hit the line is because it was a child. Well, I think several pages, the tearing them apart and eating them, you know, of the first issue. Yeah, that didn't bother me as well. Okay. You're in the minority. I know. Turtles and Tentacles is on the same page. Why are they letting all this stuff happen in Wolverine? It's getting to be a bit much. This is the the uncut, the un- let loose, the not for kids, most violent story. It, it's intense. Ashcan 91 was very disturbed by the story and how, and not sure how much I can keep reading. The art in part two seems to depict the murder of an adolescent. And I feel like that's crossing the line. Mm-hmm. And I was talking, we were talking about this after the fact. And it just, it feels like it's a bit too much. And they're going to give a a read of number three, but not sure how much longer. Yeah, I mean, and that's totally fair. I don't mean to to sound insensitive um, to anyone's feelings because it is super duper gory and it's very traumatic and could be potentially triggering. Sure, absolutely. Images like this, for sure. And and is that, like, is that entertaining? You know, or, or is that... Is it a kind of people that like horror movies, people that like, you know, things like that? I, It's a different kind of it. Yeah, I think it's okay. As a person who doesn't feel as like, like, I definitely reacted like, whoa, that was a lot in the moment. But I would say entertaining, I don't know, is the right word because it's not like. For me, from I'm talking from my perspective, because I'm not like looking at it and going like, yay, oh my God, this is so exciting. Yeah. But it is, it does 
elicit more emotion and response from me in a way that pulls me into the story and gets me more invested because I'm like, how could this be happening? What is going to happen next? I feel like every time, every time that I felt it was a bit more, every time that it earned the thing on the cover, Mm -hmm. I felt pulled out of the story rather than pulled into the story by that. Like I, I didn't see that and be like, wow, I really want, you know, like it, it, it moved a reaction in me that was like, whoa, that was unexpected that they would go a little to that point. Mm-hmm. But you mean the thing on the cover or the actual events in the book? The actual event in the book in reference to the mature rating on the cover. Like every time that it made me feel like that rating was earned mm. was more of like a, oh, oh, like, you know, that, that mixed reaction that I got from it. Mm-hmm. Fabio Ciccone thinks that Wolverine versus Sabretooth seems utterly pointless. Wolverine and X-Force have had the same writer and cast and seem to be in different universes. And I'm not sure if this is in relevance to the fact that they're happening at very different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the distinction from the, the title pages and, and that this is happening past X-Force's end and is kind of like the aftermath of the greenhouse story. So mm. like... The different universes made me think of that, like they're happening in alternate timelines. Yeah. The, the time displacement of it all can get pretty confusing, confusing. And, and hard to rationalize, especially as they come out on a interesting cadence. Mm-hmm. Vaderino, note to self, never be an extra at any party where Wolverine is. So many nameless civilians absolutely annihilated. It makes me a little uncomfortable. It's like all those names, all those those faces. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of death and destruction if you're friends with Sabretooth. Yeah, sure, and sure. And it's your birthday. Warline's talking about the death of everything. It was interesting, you know, trying to treat death as permanent when the resurrection is kind of still a thing becoming annoying. Yes, I know that the characters don't know that, but the way Percy and Laval have been handling the deaths feel as though they handle them as if they themselves don't know that resurrection is still a thing, right? So, I mean, we know that resurrection has been brought online in the white hot room for the fight, but I think that they need to write it that way. Like they need to know the characters only know what they have been given as part of that, right? Mm-hmm. They, they don't know what's going on in the white right, hot room. Right. They have to feel that as it's real. Right. And which those I think characters is, think resurrection is gone. Right. And because we lost the five, we lost all the mutants. Mm-hmm. We don't even know where we are, or how many people there are. I thought the book was great, but some some things felt weird, like like the the killing of the saber teeth. Am I the only one slightly annoyed that things that wouldn't kill saber teeth and wolverines are killing versions of them? So maybe that's Domino. Maybe them like getting their head ripped off doesn't necessarily kill them because they have a healing factor and right, right that whole thing. Well, also, who's to say they're dead and they're not just like well, I mean, pretty boy was pretty decapitated. Right, but... But does that kill him? Can right. he reattach? Right. Right. I don't know. Ugh. A lot of blood. Speaking of dead X-Men... Death and destruction. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about dead X-Men. Dead X-Men. I love this cover. I love it conceptually, especially mm-hmm. in contrast to the name. Yeah. Pulling themselves out from the ground. The five aren't here, but we are. Dun, dun, dun. It's just interesting, that parallel of five mutants... Five mutants responsible for bringing people back from the dead as these five mutants are clawing back to death, back from death with a different kind of mission. Mm. Page turn noise. We're jumping right in. Is that frenzy? Yeah. 
Talk about how distracted you were. So insanely distracted. So, so okay, this you can get the full the full thing on the the sharecast and the Patreon. But I'm reading it. Got the first page. Okay, live for it. Love it. Flip the page. Try so hard to focus my attention to the page on the left, but all I can do is look to the page on the right and Demon. and see Dark Child. And get so giddy, like like I, tears in my eyes. Oh my god, she's here! Yes, something's happening. I'm so happy. And then I was like, I'm, I love everything. And then I read it. Right. And right. then it was like, oh, oh, oh she's, she's crazy. She's basically who disturbs my slumber. Get out of here. And they just say this timeline's toast, we and they leave. Can't do it. Get and out. I was like, well, this is why you have to read. Right. And not just be not reactionary. Just, not just get super excited that, oh, yeah, I, I'm rooting for this demon woman. I was, though. Yeah, sure. I was super rooting for it. The details of the fact that they, they sense nothing. There's no Moira. All the screaming, all the demons. We, we get the gist of what our story, what our plot is, what our mission is as they're pulled again. Pull us out, pull us out into a title page. Dead X-Men. Earth Intruders, written by Steve Fox, art by Jonas Scharf, Bernard Chang, and Vincenzo Caratu, colors Frank Martin, letters Corey Petit. is Corey Petit. Lucas Wernock on the cover. Mm-hmm. We've got a white hot room landing as everyone's coming in. The, I, I just think it's interesting, right? We talk about in media res, just kind of thrown mm-hmm. into the mission. And we're trying to figure out what's going on as they're giving us these clues. Some a little bit more heavy handed than others, but like keeping them in mind as we land in the white hot room, shouldn't have jumped so many times in close succession, how this puts a strain on the burning bush reveal of Rachel. So, okay. So this moment for me kind of stuck out as a reference because I thought, okay, the burning bush is a thing. It's a big thing. It's referenced often in, in you the know, Bible. It's, the, it's from the Bible. And, and I was a little confused as to why Sam's reaction was, oh, come on now. I'm a good Southern boy. And it, it sort of triggered me to think like, I didn't think the burning bush was a, like a bad thing. I didn't think it was like something to be afraid of or something to make you question yourself when you... It's, it's basically you are impersonating a message from God. You are appearing in the same way that Moses had a, an appearance from God to instruct him on what to do next. So like the fact that you're, you're toying with this good Christian boy's values as you're appearing in a fake God persona and telling him what he needs to do. Like it, I, I get what you're saying. I think that it's interesting. Yes. But okay. So I did a little bit of research on sure. the burning bush and I also consulted some people who uh, I know who have a little bit more of ties to one of them runs a, a ministry. One of them's husband is a, the, has a theology PhD. So we kind of talked right. about some stuff and this idea of like an angel. So, this voice of of saying i'm coming to you because you need to free our people that's essentially what that yeah. story was so i thought that that was a cool reference in just that like you need to get the the israelites israelites out of egypt and this is like you need to get all of the mutants out of the white hot room that's essentially why you're on this trail on this task but one thing in particular that um i thought was really interesting is that 
what my friend Lindsay brought up was that in in Moses's moment of need, he needed to see the impossible happen. He needed to see God appear in this bush to believe that the impossible was possible because he didn't believe that he had the strength and the power to do the thing that he was being asked. And so Rachel appearing in this way is showing him that the impossible is possible, that someone outside of the white hot room can connect into the white hot room and can talk to them and communicate them. And I thought that was a really cool just a cool parallel and I don't know if that was the original intention but that's sort of what I got from it and there's also interest an interesting thing that I read when I was going through this is that there were others who could have done the job and Moses was chosen for this particular job while people questioned like if he was the right one and that also is coming up here in this story of like why did you choose these these, these particular people and it's like I feel like even though I don't I don't see Rachel as trying to be a god, but I feel that she is like their well, I mean, guiding of, light in this path. You think of path. Rachel's connection to the Phoenix, mm-hmm. to Jean and the Phoenix, to the White Hot Room. She serves as a godlike figurehead right. in this full analogy. And even just the breakdown of the motivation and the reasoning, I feel like connects it even further. So is this... Steve asking one of the characters to call it out as an inconsistency to bring more attention to the fact that, no, this is intentionally laid here for multiple reasons. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she's able to communicate from this no place X and not only communicate, but pull them in and out of sections of time throughout the multiverse, this this chrono skimming able to see where things are throughout time Mm -hmm. is wild and, and is... Like the, the full evolution of who she is. And does this make her one of the redacted mutants? I think it has to. The fact that she list. is yeah. in constant conversation with Charles, the fact that she is seemingly the manipulator in this time stream travel, likely the person that sent in Rasputin in Rotpox. Mm-hmm. A bit of danger, though, that time works differently here. You'll draw attention if you stay too long. But from who, which I think is kind of interesting, the inhabitants of that time, Mm. the the fact that you can cause disturbances and and branch realities. Will you draw the attention of Enigma? Right. Those are all the questions of, like, what are you fighting against? Dazzler's got, like, the one throwaway line that she's not immortal anymore. Mm -hmm. Used to think she was. We all did, too, because she kept on coming back to life. Well, she just did, though. She just came back to life again. Well, yes. By glory and grace of the five. (laughs) You almost made a 100. Slip. That's why I said it. I know, but I just made me happy. And then we were learning this huge responsibility for Prodigy. prodigy. Like, okay, this whole team has to do something, but you need to hold the maps of all of Moira's timelines in your mind. No big deal. We'll get you there. We'll keep you safe. But this is your responsibility. Otherwise, you know, mutant dub is lost forever. That you are our only hope. They're looking for one version of Moira who's not cybernetic so that David can lift the information that we need to get Xavier where he needs to go. Moira's own mental map of the past. It's kind of a loaded mission statement, but then they expand on it over Mm. the next page or two to just really get into the the details of this wild plot. The idea that Charles wants to quote talk to her i'm like ooh, because we've read this other comic so we know that he's saying that he wants to go kill kill her (laughs) right but we're hearing i want to go find her on her bench and ruin her day yeah i want to have just just a little chat 
while she's sitting enjoying the birds. Rachel assembled the team. Thousands of options. Why these X-Men? Why these mutants? It's a good question. I mean, it's interesting because I know it's 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 positioned in a way to be like here is a here is some reasoning as to the the this X-Men team was chosen and we're going to still give them a role as an X-Men team right. because of the vote and all of these things and now we need to somehow work it into a story but I almost wish that that part wasn't even in there that we didn't need to address why we chose them because sure. When you open that door for that question, then you're putting it out there for more people to be able question to say, well, logic. if you were going to choose anyone, Rachel, you would have chose X, Y, and Z. And right. like her reasoning is saying like, oh, well, this is who the people chose. So this is who we should uplift. Like they deserve to get this chance. But if you are in the white hot room and you can resurrect anybody, would these really be the five that you choose? So would you pick someone that was a tracker right. you know, to be able to right. help so, find them when they get there? Or so someone I feel else that's like... like a, a different kind of power. Yeah, so I feel like you that should have just you should have never talked about it because it opens the door for too many questions. Too many questions and a whole slew of like controversial opinions based on like well, why did you choose them? Yeah. Prodigy is the key at least. Able to passively lift the information from Moira potentially with her unknowing that something's happening and we're talking about that we're running out of Moira engine pathways. This one, this next one may be our last hope. So all of these, I believe, kind of placing this, all of these start after Inferno, where Moira loses her power. So she's human in all of these options that they're going to, mm -hmm. unless she turns into a robot. And what they're looking for is a time where she didn't turn to a robot so that she still has physical mm -hmm. brain matter that David can lift read. the information off of. Also, we need a time where the Moira engine hasn't been cut yet. Because I would imagine, as we have understood how that affects the reality, mm -hmm. that would actually be a toasted timeline. Right. And I, I assume that the Moira, whatever Moira is, that save point in Sinister's lab somewhere is still intact. And that's why these are going. Or we're changing what this is. It's like all of these realities that they're visiting have technically two Moiras. Mm. One that is the machine save point and one that is the human version that did not turn into a robot that they're trying to take information from. Right. Or did she turn into a robot in those and other we, ones? We picked the wrong one. And I think that's kind of cool because we're getting, without getting, we're getting that journey through Moira's lives that right? people, especially I know you, wanted for so long. And it's not going to be exactly yes no. <laughs> yeah. what it, it was, right. what you were thinking. But I do think that like where this goes with the idea that Moira herself is looking for a way to get back to her younger self, yes. that we're going to both get that little idea of jumping between Moira's lives. And then I feel like this is going to be very Lives and Deaths of Wolverine vibes. Of sure. like Two entities battling through time, like racing through time to, to get to the answer and who's going to get there first. Right. Yeah. Because they right now they're in like these trail ends of mm -hmm. timelines, but they could go back to things further. Well, I feel, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding was that they needed to get this information right. so that so Charles that could have... go back to those right. other timelines. So they know where to go, essentially, right. and when to go. But when right now, go. they're going to the Moira Engine 2.4. 
on Earth where suffocation abound. Mm-hmm. We can't breathe here and someone with a peg leg is looking at us. Yeah, they're both saved and studied as they teleport out and are noticed by who we find out later on. But, but first... Abigail Brand's X-Men. Oh. Let me tell you, the joy I felt in my soul when I realized that the, that you're getting Abigail Brand, though a little bit more, the same way that I got Dark Child, and that sure. her timeline shall go away, and I do not have to deal with her Right, anymore. right, right. And, this, and I love that this is... The, the read of her from David, the fact that this is her being humbled into mm-hmm. actually doing something for the remaining mutants, yes. even though... She got the ultimate war that she wanted. It just didn't play out the, the way, way she that wanted she it. wanted. Yeah. And let's just all just take a collective moment and just gaze in the amazement that is Root Fire. Root Fire. Whoo. That is so cool. Root Fire. I need that to actually come into existence, please. Would love it. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I do love this conversation between Brands X-Men and the Dead X-Men talking about how we can't we we shouldn't even really be talking to you right now Mm -hmm. we are trying to fix more than just what happened here we're trying to fix what happened everywhere right and the like you guys know how time travel works like can we not do this we're creating a paradox like we're all x-men but now let's get rocked by some phalanx oh because hey oh orbis is here he's living his best life Trying to destroy everything and everyone. Yeah. They're after the technarchy are after this last cache of Mysterium in the universe, Mm -hmm. which is on this Akanti Arako merge where the island seemingly has merged or had been born into an Akanti, a flying space whale. Orbis over here talking to Vulcan in a tube about his plans. Oh my God. Vulcan in a tube. So he. I want to point this out because this then becomes a point of difficulty and potentially an error. So he has this shard of the Emkron crystal, but needs Mysterium, right? He's sitting here in his little orb. This thing he refers to as a fragment of the Emkron crystal, the very nexus of realities itself. Mm -hmm. This glowing block. As we see further on, the fight happens, continues this epic shot of them and even just finding out that Moira's here, she's close, she's still human, all the things we want. Yes. We got to go and trust that Brand's X-Men can take care of themselves. Right, because they would be doing this battle anyway without us. Yeah, right. Right, so so obviously this works out fine without our involvement. And with the Starjammers' involvement. Oh, the Starjammers. This was a team. What a team that I would love to see. Love to see it. Sunspot trying to play captain as it's revealed that Lockheed is actually the captain of the Star Captain Jammers. Lockheed. Warbird in some classic look. We have Smasher, which is actually the child of Cannonball and Smasher. Mm. Hepzibah for the classic Star Jammers feel with Mercury and Juggernaut, some last X-Men members. Oh my god. Look at Lockheed. How did he get like that though? What do you mean? He is big. He's kind of he's a little bit bigger. He's sitting more upright. That is big. Lockheed sits on a shoulder. What's that. the chair? You know, it's all it's all the, the framing of the chair. No, in and... my mind, something happened. He's bigger. Oh, yeah. You don't think so? Have you ever seen him talk? No. <laughs> There's a lot about Lockheed that you don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, I need a lot more information. <laughs> yes, you do. But either way, 
we get we I'd love you know it's like a it's a it's interesting to me the the variation in like how I can feel about a time travel story and like there's just sure. something about the cadence of this book that I really enjoyed so the the bopping around and getting only these little glimpses mm-hmm. of these other timelines and these other teams and seeing characters in alternate perspectives I I really actually enjoyed it and so you know the team needs to carry on with their business but first we have to we have to data page we have to data page. Yes, we have to have the controversial chat as to why Xavier has doubts for te- like it's odd. You chose Rachel to be in charge of this. You selected her to be on your team to pick this team, and then you have a full data page of you being like, "But why though?" I literally wrote my notes. Charles, try not questioning people for like two seconds. Two seconds, just, and just working try together with someone else. You assembled the X Men. Like, now just let try them it. be the X Men. It's, it's interesting the reasons why the team, right, the kind of fly under the radar, all focused on protecting David mm-hmm. with all of the, the lights and explosions from Dazzler and Jubilee, but also the strength and explosiveness from Frenzy and Cannonball. Mm-hmm. Plus, they are the remaining team of X-Men, right? They, that was confirmed in their universe. It was voted on by their people, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Really was put forth by the X office and potentially always planned for. But it's time to smash. Time to smash. So this is the part Smasher comes in and shatters the Emkron crystal, the crystal that Orbis had. Yes. Sending a piece of that to the ground and striking David later on. Because no one no one is attacking the Akanti. The Mysterium isn't coming undone. Right. So this piece that's in David that, honestly, we never see leave David. Right. But is also referred to as Mysterium and incorporated into Moira's weapon. That's the confusion. Yes. And this whole thing of of them being there and him and and this one shard being wherever it is and Moira ending up with it like this is a spiral in my mind of what did they just alter time sure. by doing this right. like would Moira not have gotten the last piece you know even though she says her last piece of the puzzle that she needs is Mysterium would she have not gotten the last piece of her puzzle to do the thing that she needs to do to go back in time if they had not been there and interfered. Arguably, a shard of the Emkron crystal is going to be better for you traveling the multiverse than a piece of mutant metal. Yes. TBH. (laughs) Yes. But we we have our standoff. The fight continues. The shards in his chest. Cannonball saves from the sky. And we have the reveal that this is Moira with one foot missing, one hand missing, what's left of her almost the full oh like a cyborg right she's, mm-hmm. she's got the implants she's got the things helping her live but not the full robot experience the mind is lifted the information yes. taken prodigy's got the map it's definitely a lot as you can see on his face to yeah. take in it's great to have another version of this page right the, the yeah page i love that we've these seen pages so many different ways now but another person is getting the full experience of moira what are ye? Right, so this this shard in the top panel mm-hmm. in his chest seemingly never leaves, but there's another piece. There were multiple pieces that came from the ship. I'm right. accepting that. Right. I just want to know if he still has a shard of the Emkron crystal in his chest. I'm sure he does. That's being mistakenly labeled as Mysterium later on. Yes. As Moira grabs it, even though Bran tries to shoot her off and incorporates it into her 
crazy blade weapon. Yes, that is the that is the question. That is the what is that exactly? Moira always wins weapon M components. Questions though. That's my question. Release the hound is our Krakoan, which makes me think Rachel. Ooh. Right? It's not hounds, it's the hound. She is the OG. Right. What'd you think? Oh man. Whoa. Okay. I honestly really enjoyed this book. I thought it was well-paced. I did go into it with zero expectations, though. (laughs) I wanted to let it surprise me and let it be what it was while trying not to put any preconceived notions on it. That being said, I'm kind of concerned about the whole timelines that create alternate realities, things that can be tracked, but that's a problem for another day. So, like... In them going back in all of these timelines, are they creating more timelines and like blah, 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 If they blah. affect things enough, especially having a conversation with Brand's X-Men and right, right. I feel like, like that might. The, the time travel of it all is always concerning. But mm-hmm. I am glad that it seems that we're going to get to revisit a bunch of Moira's past lives, which I feel like is going to have some fun connecting to, to Hawksbox. Like almost we should... Read that again or something. Foxbox? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's It's got me thinking that like... I'll always read Hoxbox. I want to read it again. I want to know a little bit more about like that original that original front of the bookend because it seems like we're going to be referencing those things now. Um, I know that there were people who were not... Who didn't enjoy the book and I, I know there are questions about the team itself and, and if they are the best team for this particular job, but... I'm really trying to go into this series with an open mind and just say like, well, these are the, this is the team that we have. So I don't want to waste my energy on harping on the fact that maybe I would have chosen different mutants for this job. And I just want to see how the writers make, how the creative team makes, makes these mutants either successful or not successful in this task and Mm. how it changes them and what it can do for them and just kind of take it as it is. And what they can do, yeah. Yeah. See what happens. Uh, my reactions and the book are complex. Ultimately, I enjoyed a lot of what's being set up here. I think it's ambitious in scope. It connects to the larger mission of this section of X-Men comics. Mm-hmm. And it involves a team that has come together from a previous plot thread, their deaths. The mission is kind of bonkers and details can get jumbled easily. That's why I wanted to keep on referencing things as we were going through. Mm -hmm. We're looking for an alive original Moira in a timeline where her clone engine is still alive. So that the universe is still alive. Something that I read a handful of people had confusion with of is this what's the reason or why we're getting reset or not. I, I did not mind the multiple artists. I think that it took away... I don't think that it took anything away from the book. You can tell the difference. And it does allow for some interesting division. I wonder why this was a creative choice. It seemed like a very particular ask from Steve. I also wonder like where this idea came from. Was this always a part of the idea? Or was this kind of manufactured after the fact to help further some stuff? I, I worry... How complex the plot is and how little we get in actual character. We did have some attitude from Jubilee. Prodigy has the biggest problem going on, kind of thrown at him. And 
Sam almost able to deal with his religion and his future potential orphan son. <laughs> I thought that would have been an interesting nod that they're like right there, but don't right. interact. It's just kind of like, hey, this You're could my have child. Been. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now that we have a complex plot established, hopefully we dive into these character beats and actually get to play with this team and not make it even more complex as they're going to be fighting throughout time, going to all these different points. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying that's is like, the, the ooh, I'm a little hole. like hesitant about the time travel of it all, but I'm trying to just be like Let's see. What is the what is the What's the thesis statement of this issue without getting too, too heavy on like all the ramifications? Because I feel like I can see myself going to a deep, dark place of trying to find all the connections and what makes sense and what is that going to mean? And how is that reactionary going to be like, what is that? What who's going to react to that? I can't even make a sentence because it's so brain exploding. So I'm trying to not let myself do that this time. Well, you don't have to make any sentences for now because we have some sentences from other people. Some questions. Questions. All right. The Gene Queens are overcome with emotion. Oh my Jiminy Cricket Bat, she's back in our lives, she's back in our lives. The Gene Queens have all of Dazzler's albums and are very excited to see Dazzler. I, I would be interested if they are happy with how much we get of Dazzler, because mm. she, she, honestly, well, I feel like from, we get none of... From the the conversation that that I was having with them, they said that we should call her Frazzler yeah. um, in, in this issue, because she always <laughs> seems frazzled. And so I feel like maybe there's a little bit of sadness for a character they love not being represented the way that they thought but maybe we'll get maybe we had to get a lot of nitty-gritty out in this issue and maybe we'll get more character moments as the story progresses yeah hope so that's that's honestly my main hope at the end of my reactions i really want to see like when they get back and they have the answer and they say this to charles if he sticks with the idea that like Oh, where I just want to talk to her. Oh, sure. And, if that's actually or his motivation. if like it comes out that there's more, and how they react to what is going to be the result of the work that they've done. Yeah, uh, they also called out the fact that Rachel has chosen this mm-hmm. X Men team. I mean, technically, the X Office chose them, right? They they right. were the people that put those as options. I'd imagine that they were always going to have this They knew your vote means nothing of, this yeah. year, people. Well, I mean, it did save Juggernaut and put him in that, but mm. the team itself, I would imagine, was always going to be the option of the vote people. It was just a different person might have survived right. had they won the vote. Mm. <laughs> they're talking, they are they are Summers minions for Rachel Ray, <laughs> Rachie Ray Summers, looking for her dominion and... Mm-hmm making them summer subs. It's just the the survival guilt of everyone from the Hellfire Gala and how that that is a a badly deployed part of the humanity that is now spilling into this book Mm -hmm. that they are worried about. Furious, the hip-hop smaye is trying to figure out why the Dead X-Men didn't really work as a scintillating first issue. I wanted to match a wine from Pompeii in Italy where the vines and grapes have risen from the dead after lava singed them into oblivion. Instead, I decided this issue warranted a two-buck chuck wine that had gone bad, i.e. oxidized. So Furious with his his wine metaphor Mm. did not meet his tastes or what he was looking for in this. Uh, You know, I think it's interesting to also say that the general public 
picked this team because mm-hmm. it, this was drafted by the X office. I don't right. Know they if, chose the people being put in the vote. I don't that know if true. this was in mind at that time or this was part of the conversation. There's a handful of details about the interview between Steve Fox talking about how he planned this with Kieran, with Jordan White, mm. and, and kind of played with the space of what's there with the story. I don't know. Furious said that Charles Dunn screwed up deploying this team to take on Moira. Five issues. She should kill them all in one and a half, except she is not old. She is old and not hip. She is too square to beat an EDM concert dance lineup, which is the Mm -hmm. Dazzler Jubilee combo. Steve Fox is a good writer, but this will be his worst work unless he writes this less like an X book with a team up and more like a dubstep music video. I never wanted an X team to live up to their name more than these numpties which like that's that's a harsh at the end of you know uh i think we are at the first issue it's always hard right. to judge a full title at the first issue i think some of the things that we called out of being a lot of setup at the beginning and a yeah. lot of not the first choices of some characters i'm excited for this team yeah i really am excited to see like let's make the most of this thing it's here right JP Dinomasso calling out the detail that I saw as well. Does Prodigy still have the shard in his chest at the end of the issue? And it is the Emcron crystal, right? Like that that's the Yeah, part. that's that's we gotta get some clarification because it's, it's not, not Mysterium. Mysterium, because he didn't have Mysterium. So Moira never got Mysterium. Yeah. Joseph also brought up a theory that he had seen on Reddit about Prodigy having theorized that one of them, this was in the Young Avengers run where one of them would have to sacrifice themselves to ensure that certain events would still occur. In that issue, they even mention that there must be more future, which kind of ties into Mm. Destiny seeing more future later on. Is this going to be something that Prodigy feels like he has to do, which would kind of suck Mm -hmm. having all this. You know, he had some cool development in X Factor, and then to now, maybe is he becoming too powerful with all the limits removed and just all this knowledge and being this I potential mean, yeah. Moira map? Like, that's so much to put in a brain. I just feel like overload could be disastrous. Yeah. Jai Rivera wants to know, where does Dead X-Men fall in the timeline? When slash where is Rachel at this point? And honestly, that's a hard question to answer because she and the team are outside time and space. Right? So all of this happens irregardless to what's happening in 616 Mm. mainline time like it is beyond our concept of when the narrative can be happening right you know it's just maybe there'll be more context clues about how it affects the current time that we're in as we go through but because they are outside of time and space they're basically like enigma and they can be they can be before after during yeah and we might only see the ramifications at the end. Right. Gladographico was surprised by Dead X-Men. Great stuff. Gilbert wants to know which of the Dead X-Men are we most excited to see back? Ooh. Um, Frenzy. Frenzy? Even though she didn't get a lot in this book. She's kind of a field leader here. She is. She. I mean, we all know that I voted for Juggernaut and Frenzy, but she was my vote. So yeah. I am excited excited to see like where she goes in this and and of these characters she's probably the one i'm the most connected to i you know historically i feel like i'm connected to cannonball 
Mm-hmm. Narrative interest wise, I'm excited to see David mm. and to have this interesting component and, and importance of his character because I think he's got a really interesting power and he was one of the people that I, I would have liked to see on the X-Men to really fill out that brain potential. What Forge had added to the team could have been expanded in an interesting way with mm. David's potential. That's true. Michael Loves Mariah Carey said it was the best Fall of X book, which that's high claim. Like Whoa. I don't know if we're talking about all the last batch as well, but... It has Mike's favorite X-Men in it. The glow up of members who haven't gotten much light except for our exterminators ladies. You know, nice to see them together again. Mm-hmm. And you know they're about to go off. Mike loved the art, the concept of this off-the-wall story. Here for it, especially that crawl from the dead cover. Yeah. That was intense. The cover is so good. Edward III said it seems like this ties into Rotpox more than he expected it to, which... I like it. At the end, at first, this was the title I was least excited about, but now it seems like it could be a solid support book, Mm -hmm. which I think is the the piece that we need to keep in mind is this feels intentionally moving in lockstep with Rotpox and what that's doing. Yes. Jay Arbach author said Dead X-Men was not the book I was expecting in the best way. Perhaps the Moira X book we never got, which mm, you, know, you were hinting towards. That's what I was saying, yeah. Or, or just like taking that potential and doing something new or different with it. I like to believe that we're set up to believe we're watching Stellaris's Ascension here, but we get that t- taken away. What? Your face. There, this. I was just looking back through the art while you're talking and this bottom image, like, it looks awful lot like Stellaris has a club on his head and not a spade. Huh. That might just be how far it is. But yeah, it looks just like a diamond. A diamond? Is that? Oh, I thought it looked like a club. Yeah, I think it's just because of how small it is. You yeah. It loses the detail. Because I was like, uh-oh, somebody's going to talk to people. We're getting, we're getting mixed up with Mysterium and M-Cron crystals. And we're yeah, that, putting... that looks like a diamond. Well, a club and a diamond have a similar shape in sure, that yeah, they right. have the, the points the, and the points and the things, but a spade is very clearly but I guess a small spade is kind of like a club, so now I'm just being nitpicky. Anyway, yeah. carry on. Wait, I thought that, that like as I was reading it, I also wondered, is this Stellaris's ascension attempt? Right. Because That's we what know I was he's thinking. got one. And he even talks about how he would have done it years ago if it hadn't been for I can't remember the distraction, but he references wanting to have ascended here mm-hmm. oh the world farm right vaderino what's most interesting is that they have a piece of emcron now do you think that prodigy now that he has all of moira's knowledge is going to get the team to go rogue xavier clearly does not know best and now prodigy has all the pieces to make his own choices yeah let's go and none of this team would blindly follow xavier anywhere i'm i'm here I for that. that i love that yeah. let's yes let's have, have like a wild yes, diver- please <laughs> Let's go in that direction. Beta Reno, you're co-writing the book now. Let's Get in go. There. Get over to the X office. Tell them to switch it up. If yeah. they, this is not the story they've gone with. It. They've messed up. Yeah. Warline says that Steve Fox always manages to write great comics that have a problem or two that absolutely decrease the score I want to give them. So like high start, but some nitpicks. Hmm. That said, this is probably one of his best books that I've read. Are Rachel and Manifold the redacted Professor X allies in Fatox and Rockpox? I really want to believe that. Well, I, I strongly believe that Rachel is one based on this book. I really want to believe that Manifold is, but I'm just not sure unless Rogue told 
right. Xavier, where Manifold was hidden, that he could be the other one. Well, so Anas continues to say this issue seems to hint at that with Rachel and me reading Rogan Gambit and seeing how things ended makes me feel that Eden is the other person, especially with his connection to the universe. And so is that because this is connected to the outside time and space, because this is connected to the wet hot room, because we've thought that Eden opens up that portal. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because his power has been said previously to only really work for his home universe. Right. I don't know how that works with outside time and space, but the last bit to call out cannon smasher for the win fire emoji. We'd love to see it. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed it. And I thought this was a great week of comics. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the books overall. And I felt like the things that I didn't enjoy or didn't love 100% did not detract from my enjoyment of them as books. Mm-hmm. Like like the the squirmy feeling. You know me, I, I don't like blood yes. in general. So the squirmy violence and the complex brain hurdy. They didn't take it away. I was still excited. I'm still here for it all. What are we here for next week? I don't know. You tell me. You know, you're, you're in there reading the book. Yeah, <laughs> like, just hey, really we have to close to... out the issue. What are you doing? I'm really trying to figure out the discrepancy of this Mysterium situation. So we are starting Wolverine Madripoor Nights next week. You want another Wolverine story? No. (laughs) (laughs) This is written by Claremont and takes place in a very classic time that everybody loves with Captain America and Black Widow. Whatever. In Madripoor. (laughs) You don't care. Not interested. Just kidding. Sounds kind of fun. Yeah. X-Men number 31 is our other X book. I'm excited about that. I mean, Avengers number 10, we're leading into an Avengers crossover. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to say that that's required reading it all now because I think it's issues 12 and 13. Ah, so we're not there yet. We got time. I mean, I'm there. Well, good for you. I'm reading it. I need to catch up. I'm a couple issues behind. Oh, Jesus. Black Panther, Ultimate Black Panther number one comes out and that has a heavy storm focus, but I don't want it. (laughs) I don't (laughs) don't want to go all in on the Ultimate Universe. I just... Not into I don't it. feel the need to. I, I feel like I want Ultimate Spider-Man mm-hmm. and I feel obligated to buy Ultimate X-Men and I'm interested in it. I just don't. You don't need to go down the whole Ultimate I Universe. I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I resist. Triangle head. Until next time, old friend. Charles in the White Hot Room. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 